So this is MEA. We've already talked about the kids being in the worship center. And so to start my message today, I wanted to actually include, acknowledge and include the kids. And uh, this is not the time, this is not like the kids sermon time where all the adults check out. Okay? Because you're going to get something out of this too. But I'm going to have the kids come up here. All you kids who are in here, I have something for you. That when you're done listening to the boring guy... I'm going to give you that you can then go and do for the next 15 minutes while I'm chatting away, okay? So you can sit up here. I think we've got enough room to be able to squeeze up here. Otherwise, if anybody wants to sit on the floor or in that second row, you can. Thanks, Owen. Okay. So I have a couple questions for you today. Do any of you know what this is? Can I pull it up on my phone? What is it? Go ahead and just say it. A map. map. Google Maps. Theo's got it. Google Maps. (laughs) So that's exactly what I was looking for. So this is a map that's right on your phone, and you can zoom in. And I zoomed in right to where, what does it say there? Grove United. That's right where we are. Crazy, right? Yeah, you kids are like, that's not a big deal at all. Um, What is this? This is a map. This is a paper map, right? For, for most of human history, for most of the time that there have been people in the world, if there were maps, they looked something like this. They were paper. Um, when I was in college, there was this crazy new thing called MapQuest, <laughs> where you could go on the internet and you could type up a location and then you could print it off onto a piece of paper, and then you could bring that piece of paper with you. And even now, you're like, Theo's like, oh. You have no idea how revolutionary the idea of having a map on your phone that can show you exactly where you are and exactly where you need to go. Why, why do we have maps? Why do you think we have maps? Go ahead, anybody. To get around. So we know where we're going. So we don't get lost, yeah. To find our way home, yeah. So, you could use stars too, yeah. So maps are so maps help us to understand the world. They they help us to understand where we are, and to make sense of where we are, and to figure out what's important. You put things on a map because they're important things to know, right? And they help us to know then where to go and, and what to do and how to, like, navigate our world, right? Um, emotions are kind of like that, too. You know what emotions are? Feelings are kind of like that, too. I have another picture I'm going to ask you about. Um, do you know what these things are called? Emojis. emojis. What are emojis for? Expressing how you feel. That's, that's exactly right. So they're like pictures that show other people how, how you're actually feeling that maybe words don't fully do. So what, what, is this first, what does this first emoji mean? Happy, happy crying. So like you're laughing so hard that you're crying. What about, what about that one right there? Could be scared, sad, unsure. 
any of those things? Yeah. Oh, what about that one? Mad. That one's pretty easy. And then how about this bottom one? Love. It's something that you love. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we use we use emojis to express our feelings, and feelings are kind of like maps too. Uh, they they help us to if we pay attention to our feelings, they help us to understand what's going on in our world, what's going on in our bodies, even, and they help us to know what's important and to pay attention to that, and then how to live with those feelings. Uh, sometimes people like try to try to hide their feelings, and what we're talking about this next month, as as adults even, is the importance of our feelings. Sometimes we have big feelings, and that's okay. Feelings are normal. Feelings can be good. They show us what's important. They show us then how to live and, and how to go from here to there in life, okay? So the one takeaway I want you to have today is to know that feelings are good and important, and they can be helpful, like a map. So I now have an activity for all of you. You get to walk away with a map, too. You're going to be making a map, okay? So each of you are going to be creating a map just like this. So there's a key on here which tells you what to do with your treasure map. So why don't each of you come up here and grab a map? And then if you can't read, maybe go back to your parents quickly and they can describe it. Or you can just... What? Make sure we don't light any kids on fire? <laughs> or light any maps on fire? Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. All right. Thank you, kids. Okay, so just like our kids, we're going to talk about feelings this month, folks. And big feelings. How many of you, when you hear, how many of you adults, when you hear the idea that we're going to talk about feelings, you have big feelings yourself? I don't want to talk about my feelings. Yeah. Um, feelings can be uncomfortable to talk about. And yet, uh, what we're going to be talking about this whole month, looking at, uh, we're calling it Atlas of the Heart. Uh, we're focusing on some of the, the content from the book Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown, and what we're trying to do through this series is to acknowledge some of these big feelings that we have as people and to put, uh, to put language behind them. The hope is that we can notice our feelings, that we can, uh, that in acknowledging them, we can start to make meaning of them and, and why, we're, why we're feeling them. And then having noticed them and made meaning of them, we can try to figure out how to navigate life with those feelings, kind of like a map. Uh, notice I didn't say to deal with those feelings and that I didn't say uh, to uh, ignore those feelings. Kind of like on a map, if, if you're looking at it and there's a, um, there's a mountain or there's a lake, or there's a cliff, it's not going to be super helpful to you if, you if you see that and you're like, I just need to ignore it, or I just need to deal with it. In order to actually to go where you need to be going, you got to figure out how to navigate it. So you got to acknowledge 
it. And, and so what we're going to be doing through the course of this series is noticing, making meaning of, and then navigating some of these feelings that we have as people and as, as uh, followers of Jesus. So today what we're going to be talking about, our focus is going to be on the feelings of uh, insecurity, of invisibility, and of loneliness. Uh, so those three feelings that you might just put into one big bucket of disconnection, the feeling of not being connected. Now, in, in our crazy world, there's lots going on. There's lots of important things, really big things that can be pretty heavy. Why is it important to focus on something like disconnection? Like, that doesn't seem like it's very important or, or worthwhile. Until you look at some of the data, and, and the health impacts even of the feeling of disconnection. Here's some of the health impacts of disconnection. Just one data point. I'll pull this, these up, Piper. Living with air pollution increases your odds of dying early by 5%. You're 5% more likely to die early because of air pollution. Uh, if you are living with obesity, it is 20% more likely that you're going to die early. If you drink excessively, you are 30% more likely to die early. If you live with loneliness, loneliness increases the odds of dying early by 45%. 45%. If you have this feeling, of, this ongoing feeling of disconnection, you are 45% more likely to die early. Yikes. So that's disconnection and the impact of disconnection. But then on the opposite side, the, the other side of it, hopefully, is the feeling of connection. And Brene Brown in the book Atlas of the Heart says this about connection. She defines it as, connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. When they can give and receive without judgment, and they, when they derive sustenance and strength from relationship. The feeling of being seen, heard, and valued. Now, when it comes to feelings like this, even, the, even and especially the feeling of disconnection, of, of insecurity, and of, of loneliness, one of the best places that we can do, one of the best places we can go to navigate those feelings is the Bible. Now, I want to acknowledge something up front, because if you have been around here at all, um, you, you've probably heard me say in the past that the Bible is not a map that shows you exactly where to go. Does that sound familiar? You've heard me say that before? So now here I am today talking about the Bible and talking about maps, and you could easily jump to, you are completely contradicting yourself. Have you changed your mind? Are you just contradicting yourself? No, neither of those things. I will reiterate it again. The Bible is not a map that if you just figure out the key and how to read it, it's going to show you exactly how to get from one place to another. But one of the helpful things that we find in the Bible is not necessarily a map, but we find map makers. We have people who are trying to navigate the messiness of life and faith. They're, they're trying to notice things that are important. They're trying to make meaning of them and then to navigate life going forward. And so what we have is individual people going through life saying, 
okay, given all these things, how might I navigate life? And as we read them thousands of years later, we can start saying to ourselves, oh, well, if someone else has gone through this, maybe this is a path that I might consider as well. One of the, the most prominent places that we see this is in uh, the Psalms. So throughout this series, we are going to be looking at the, the book of Psalms. And uh, the reason we're doing this is because the Psalms are not just poems and songs. They're often uh, known primarily as a book of poems and songs. But really what the psalmists do is they open up about all that is going on in their life, all that is going on in their uh, experience of faith, and often they're doing it in very real and raw ways that we as people living through the realness and rawnesses of everyday life can point to and say, oh, I'm not the only one who has experienced this. And so when it comes to the feeling of disconnection, we have uh, specifically the psalm uh, Psalm 22, which we are going to dig into today. I just want to acknowledge that we have the whole psalm here. It's 20-some 20, 20 verses. It's long, so hang with me. But I wanted to include all of it because I wanted you to feel like the emotional swing that happens here, okay? So this is Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? I groan in prayer, but help seems far away. My God, cry out during, I cry out during the day, but you do not answer. And during the night, my prayers do not let up. You are holy. You sit as king, receiving the praises of Israel. In you are ancestors. In you they trusted, and they were I am a worm, not a man. People insult me and despise me. All who see me taunt me. They mock me and shake their heads. They say, commit yourself to the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him, for, for he delights in the Lord. Yes, you are the one who brought me out from the womb and made me feel secure on my mother's breast. I have been dependent on you since birth. From the time I came out of my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not remain far away from me, for trouble is near, and I have no one to help me. Many bulls surround me, powerful bulls of Bashan hem me in. They open their mouths to devour me like a roaring lion that rips its prey. My strength drains away like water. All my bones are dislocated. My heart is like wax. It melts away inside me. The roof of my mouth is as dry as a piece of pottery. My tongue sticks to my gums. You sent me in the dust of death. Yes, wild dogs surround me. A gang of evil men crowd around me like a lion. They pin my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies are gloating over me in triumph. They are dividing up my clothes among themselves. They are rolling dice for my garments. Whew. But you, O oh Lord, do not remain far from me. You are my source of strength. Hurry and help me. Deliver me from the sword. Save my life and from the claws of wild dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my countrymen. In the middle of the assembly, I will praise you. You loyal followers of the Lord, praise God. All you descendants of Jacob, honor God. All you descendants of Israel, stand in awe of God. 
For God did not despise or detest the suffering of the oppressed. God did not ignore him. When he cried out to God, God responded, You are the reason I offer praise in the great assembly. I will fulfill my promises before the Lord's loyal followers. Let the oppressed eat and be filled. Let those who seek God's help praise the Lord. May you live forever. Let all the people of the earth acknowledge the Lord and turn to God. Let all the nations worship you. For the God is king and rules over nations. All the thriving people of the earth will join the celebration and worship. All those who are descending into the grave will bow down before God, including those who cannot preserve their lives. A whole generation will serve God. They will tell the next generation about the Lord. They will come and tell about his saving deeds. They will tell a future generation what God has accomplished. It's a mouthful, right? Uh, the beginning of that beginning of that passage might sound familiar because those are the words that Jesus says. This is the, the uh, psalm that he quotes when he's hanging up on the cross. He says, my God, why have you abandoned me? This psalmist is not holding back. Right from the get-go, he says, I have been asked to do all of these things. I've been told if I do and say these things that you will be near, but you're nowhere to be found. You've abandoned me. He's real and raw about that experience of disconnection. And yet, just a few verses later, after saying, you're nowhere to be found, he says, you are near to me. What on earth is going on here? How can both of those things be true? How can he be both abandoned and that God can be near? And we could say that both of those things cannot be true at the same time. Or we could say, this is someone that we are watching in the process of writing this psalm, doing meaning-making. This is a map maker who's doing it on the fly in the experience of life who's wrestling with this feeling of disconnection, who's, who's noticing those feelings, and then having noticed those feelings is starting to make meaning of them, and then having made meaning of them is trying to figure out how to navigate life with those feelings. And as he does that, by the end of the psalm, he's arriving in a different place than where he started because he's, he's acknowledging that in, in the process of processing, what he's, he's acknowledging is that he has been seen, he has been heard, he is valued, he has this sense of connection within God's work in the past, but also within this faith community of which he is a part. A faith community is the spot where he is feeling seen and heard and valued. Isn't that a revolutionary idea? How amazing would it be for a faith community to be a primary spot where you could go to notice your feelings, to make meaning of them, and to navigate life with them? Wouldn't it be amazing for a faith community to be a primary spot where you could be seen and, and heard and valued? And isn't it a shame that for the majority of the history of of the church that this has not been the case 
that even today, 2,000 years after the life of Jesus, that this is not the primary experience for most people with church? Isn't it a shame that this is not possibly, maybe even probably, not the experience that you have had as a part of being uh, with a church? That stinks. And I have stronger words than that, but the kids are in the room, so I'm not going to use those stronger words, but, but that stinks. And that is exactly why we exist as a church. This is exactly why the minute you look at our, the front page of our website, the front page of our worship handout, as soon as you walk in the door, we lead with our welcome statement. This is why we, we talk repeatedly about deepening our curiosity and, and uh, sense of awe and expanding our circle of inclusion. This is why we talk repeatedly about envisioning and inviting and welcoming the people arriving next. This is why we, we emphasize grove groups so heavily because we want to exist as that type of church where people can be seen and heard and valued just as they are. This is what Brene Brown says about that fe those feelings and the feelings specifically of connection. Piper, can you hit that next slide? We want to be part of something to experience real connection with others, but not at the cost of our authenticity, freedom, or power. True belonging doesn't require us to change who we are. It requires us to be who we are. So a few years ago, I, might, I used to make the joke all the time that... Um, I needed to go to the gym to get in shape, but I needed to get in shape before going to the gym to get in shape. Which doesn't make any sense until you think about it, because I, was, I did not want to go to the gym in order to get in shape, having not been in shape, and making a fool out of myself in front of the gym rats. Right? Um... So here's, here's maybe an example. When you get to the gym, but you're so tired from life. I did not want to look like this kid and make a fool of myself. And yet, like, that's the point of a gym. The, the, the point of a gym is to go to that place in order to, to find a place to belong and maybe to find a place to get in shape. And yet, I think that so often this is the idea that people have around church and that churches have around church. Get yourself in shape before showing up. What a shame. That stinks. And so if you are a person who just happens to be watching online or happens to be in this room today, and you're like, I got to get myself into shape before showing up to this place, you don't need to worry about getting into shape. Bring your sweaty, stinky, out-of-shape self <laughs> and, and find a place where you can belong, where you can be seen and heard and, and valued alongside other people. And, and as a church, may we never expect that people show up in shape. If that's the case, if we're only accepting people who are in shape, I'm walking out that door, and I would encourage you to as well. Instead, may we be the type of community that creates space for those people who are showing up sweaty and exhausted. May we show up 
sweaty and exhausted. And hopefully when that happens, we can also show up with a towel and some refreshment as well. So, may that be so.